up with it. Jay Williams. Oh, oh What's up, world? It's your boy, Zach. My co-host, Eric, is out of the office today. So we have my buddy, Chad, filling in his place. Say what's up, Chad. Hey, how's it going, world? We will uh, learn a little bit more about Chad later. But first, we want to get to know the star of the show today. Uh, this guy's a standout player from University Central at Oklahoma. He played five seasons in the NBA with the Charlotte Hornets and the Chicago Bulls. His name is Eddie Robinson. Eddie, how you doing today? How you doing? How y'all doing? Doing good. Thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, we're just going to jump right into it. And yeah. <laughs> another thing that uh, I read, you grew up a Flint, Michigan kid. Is that correct? Yeah, Flint, Michigan, the streets of Flint, Michigan. Yeah, what yeah. was that like growing up? Oh, man. That was crazy. Um, a lot of drugs, a lot of violence, a lot of gangbanging, a lot of police brutality. Um, back then, they used to, you know, the cop situation was different back then for me growing up. It was like, if they caught you, they caught you. If they didn't catch you, they didn't catch you. Right. Obviously, it's not like that now. So things have changed. But yeah, man, it was rough. It was it was, it was was tough. So I, I found basketball as a way to kind of escape all of that. Yeah. And yeah, it sounds like it made you grow up fast living there. Uh, what was it that introduced you and got you interested in, in the basketball? Well, I you know, coming from a, you know, a broken home, no parents, you know, you know, they were off doing their own thing, forgot about us. So I pretty much had to raise myself basically. Right. So a lot of things I grew up, I didn't do it the right way. Like I didn't play high school basketball. You know what I mean? I always had the talent. I always played basketball, always loved the game. And it just got to a point where, you know, I had to, I had to make a choice. You know, because, you know, I had one more time to get locked up or, and, and it was going to be for the long haul. So it was like I had to find I had to find a way to escape. And I used basketball as that escape goat. You know, I had to get my GED because I dropped out of high school. So my AU coach, Raymond Jones, he was he played a big role in my in my my basketball decision making. He was like, look, man, you got the talent. You can do this. You can do that. And you've never, and he was like, nobody's ever taught you anything. And your skill level is like where it's at. It's like, that's crazy. But, you know, but I've always played against older, older players, right? While, while everybody else is in school, I'm down at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting in my school while I was in the gym. So I played basketball a lot more than the average kid, even if they were in, in the, in, in high school playing and, you know, in a program, I played more basketball than them because I spent eight, nine hours a day playing. When you were doing that with uh, just playing a lot, do you think that that helped you have a better feel for the game as opposed to just, I think a lot of times in high school, there's just the technical parts of the game versus like learning how to compete and just, you know, feel the, the competition while you're out there just by being able to play a lot and, and uh, kind of having that type of training? Oh, yeah. I mean, because, you know, it was it was more of I had to watch and learn and then pick up on it without even actually and 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 I actually and I actually had to learn it while playing against competition right it wasn't like I had a cone right here I had a cone right there and somebody no no do you feel like this no no do you feel like that I, we didn't have that yeah. it was just from the eye you had to pick up on it you have to learn it and then 
and then learn how to use it and learn how to, to apply it during competition, right? So me, I think one of the biggest advantages with me was playing so much basketball and then picking up and learning from the older guys and getting abused by them when I was young. Like, they used to punish me. Like, and then, shit, when I got to guys my age, it was like, it was like, it was, it was, it was a walk in the park. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's always helpful when you're going up against bigger, stronger guys. Um, I wanted to ask, when you were practicing, was there somebody that you tried to emulate your game after? Like, who were the guys that you studied uh, when you're practicing, trying to be like? Well, that would have been, that would have been like, you know, the local guys around my neighborhood that you guys wouldn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> that had, that had, that had crazy game, but just never, you know, just never, just never got out of Flint. Never right. got the opportunity, you know, and that's, that's, that's worldwide. There's always players that, you know, that had the game that, that should have did this and should have did that, but it, it's just environmental situations, neighborhood situations and, you know they 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 weren't able to to fulfill that dream, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of kids like that in Flint. You know, that had the same type of talent that I have that just didn't just didn't figure it out, right? What do you think separated uh, your timeline of events that led you to be able to get to junior college and the NBA and all these places, as opposed to some of the other people you saw that were amazingly good that weren't able to get out? Like, what what separated that? I mean, just, just, just actually having a plan. Like I had to, I had to have a plan. I was like, okay, like the street, the streets ain't, you know, it, there is no love in the streets. Like the streets will eat you up. Right. So it's like, I, I gotta, I gotta have a plan. And then, you know, a couple guys who, who, uh, played a big role, Eric Walker, he played, I think he played in, he played in the big school in Michigan. Big, big college. I think he went overseas. Ellery Morgan, just, just Mateen Cleves, just you know, I went through high school with Mateen Cleves, and just talking to them, and just you know, man, it's like, man, look, man, it ain't never too late. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, and then my, and then my, you know, I had a lot of good advice from some good dudes. Mateen Cleves, I play AU basketball with them guys, and my, and and it was crazy is my AAU coach figured out a way to put me on those AAU teams. So I was playing, I, I was Mateen Cleese one time. If he didn't show up, I was Charlie Bell. I was Morris Peterson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because in the tournaments in Ohio, you were a number. You didn't have a name. Right. So you yeah. were a number. So, you know what I'm saying? They didn't look at G. I, guess, I don't think they were looking at birth certificates and all that. They was just, okay, this is who we got, boom, 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 boom. And so I got a lot of exposure from college player from colleges that way as well, but under the wrong name. Right. And, and then what was crazy, my my high school junior college, I mean, junior, uh, JV coach, he was getting all the letters that, you know, the Mateen Cleese was, uh, Antonio Smith was getting all these letters from Michigan, Michigan State, and I was getting those letters, right? So he, he bought me in the office one day, right? And he was like, I figured out what's going on. He, I was like, what you mean? He was like, you've been down there playing AU ball, huh? <laughs> and I was like, and then I just had to tell him, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to go to college. He was like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But he was like, let me show you something. And then he showed me all these college recruit letters from like all the top schools, Florida State, Florida, Cincinnati, Syracuse, Michigan State. Wow. And I was like, and that kind of, and I was like, wow, like that's like, that kind of put a big perspective on 
my choice and my decision making like man i need to or this basketball thing like i need to i need to see what i can do with this right i can you know what i mean so and then that's when my college my um my coach jones my aau coach he was like man we he found me a, he found a school in trinity valley that was the first school i went to but i had to get my ged first right so i flew to, i flew down there like two months before school started worked on pat worked on getting my ged done got that done and Shit, the rest is history. Yeah, and Trinity Valley actually has a pretty good NBA alumni. I think Nick Van Exel went there, Sean Kemp. Uh, what was the basketball playing level like there, and what kind of coaching did you have at the junior college level? Oh, but see, you you got to understand. I went from <laughs> I went from a ninth grade dropout to playing organized for the first time D one talented kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and then, and then I see these kids nowadays so worried about what school I'm going to go to. Well, it don't matter. If you got game, I went to a junior college, and they found me. So, so it's like, I be, and I put that out there in little tweets. I'm like, man, listen, it don't matter what school you went to. It don't matter what school you go to. If you got game, and you putting up numbers, and you making noise, <laughs> the basketball world is smaller than you think. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's small. It's so. As soon as you hear a buzz, oh, this kid out here doing this, they're coming. And all it takes is one. All it takes is one game. Yeah. Let me hear about it, and they coming. Yeah. So it sounds like you adjusted pretty quick, from what it sounds like. Yeah, but I had to. I had to. The 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 thing people don't realize is like missing those four years of high school. I knew I didn't have basketball knowledge. Right. <laughs> I didn't know what a closeout was. I didn't know what, like any basketball related things like i had to learn on the fly in practice on the go so because I was, I was athletic enough like guys would blow because i knew i didn't know how to play defense <laughs> like i could keep nobody in front of me because i didn't know the footwork yeah but i was athletic enough that if you did go by me i can go pin it on the glass <laughs> right but in the nba you can't do that right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, guys are too big and strong. They'll just boom hit you, bow like you know you can't do that. So I had to learn. I had to learn how to play defense. I had to learn to remember plays. Like oh, like what? <laughs> like the playbooks? I was like, wait a minute. I got it. Okay, now I got to study the. Like I had to study the playbook. Yeah, like it's 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 way more than just playing basketball. Right. Can you walk us through what the first couple of organized practices that you had were like in college from coming from where you were at and then suddenly there's like this structure and different drills? Like, I mean, what was that like for you to just get adjusted to that? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. So like when, they, when we did the drills, when we did the drills, I had to always make sure I didn't go first. <laughs> shit, I got to pick up and see what you're doing first. Okay, he did this, he did. Like, I had to watch the person in front of me, right? So yeah. that, that's how I learned. I, like, I, I'm not going to be in practice talking with you. We're going to be playing because I got to pick up. I got shit I got to pick up on. Like, it, it is, I'm in practice dead serious, like, because I'm studying. Yeah. Because I missed out. I missed out on everything that I should know in, in high school. I missed out on that. Yeah. Coming into college, these are things I should know, but I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I'm a high school basketball coach and I always see some of the kids hiding in the back of the lines. And for me, I initially think like, oh, he just doesn't want to work today. But for oh. you, it's interesting because you were just trying to learn. 
So like that's actually yeah. really helpful for me to know because now I can be maybe more aware of something like that. So I'm, I'm actually really glad that you shared that. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, but so I follow you on Twitter and I've, we might go down a little bit of a rabbit hole with this, but I want to talk about this before uh-huh. we talk about your next um, stop in college. But you post a lot about junior college and how some kids might view it as a negative it seems like you might have a message that you want to get out. Uh, what is it about junior college that, um, that you're so supportive of? Because it sounds like your experience probably gives you a completely different perspective than maybe some of our listeners. Well, I think for me, like the, the two junior college conferences that, that I played in were like Ruben Patterson played in this conference. Lee Nalen played in this conference Stephen Jackson played in this conference Sean Marion played in this conference like in the it's like Paul McPherson like you may run if you're in the right junior college conference or situation you're going to see more you're going to see guys that are probably just as talented or more talented than the D1 guys yeah and the reason I say that is because the D we had the NABC game that was playing in Florida you know about that game that's it's right before the Final Four? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I got the – I would have won MVP of that game had we won. D2, and and I had guys like Melvin, Melvin Levin was on my team, like just, just the top D1 guys. Uh, I can't remember some. It was a lot of D1 guys, man. It was a lot of D1 guys that I was playing, and I was killing them. Yeah. Like, I, like it didn't matter. Like, it didn't – like, I was playing on a D2 level. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? So – that was my like I didn't I remember my agent that I was going to sign with. He was like, "Look, they're gonna be down here partying. They're gonna be drinking. You got work to do. Right. You you show out in this game against the top D one the top D one dudes that they got out here at this showcase in front of all these agents. We can party the night after that game. We partying <laughs> after that night. But tonight we chilling. We go watch the movies. We can rest. We going to bed." <laughs> and I and that's exactly what I did. I think I had like twenty three. <laughs> so but we lost by we lost by two. Rick Majerus was my coach. Rick Majerus, I, I love Rick Majerus. Um, so did you end up partying that next night? Did you end up? Oh partying? yeah, we were crazy. <laughs> yeah, we, were, we was in Tampa. We was in Tampa. <laughs> yeah, that, that's hard. That's hard not to party in Tampa. Yeah, uh, yeah. So on to your next stop. Um, you chose Central Oklahoma. University. Well, I went to Brown Mackey. I went to Brown Mackey Junior College. That's right. So, so you switched junior colleges. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so I switched. What, why'd you switch? Was there a reason for because that? Because the coach, the coach that got me there, he was getting a new job. So he was the one that he was the reason that I had went to that school, right? Oh, gotcha. So you followed the same coach to a different school. Yeah, so I tried to, but he ended up didn't getting he ended up not getting a job, and then he and then my um, my AAU coach he had a relationship with Rob Falat uh, with um with um, Ralph Alaska. He was the coach that got me out there. And then he had a relationship with Francis Flax, which was my coach at Brown Mackey. So I ended up going to Brown Mackey. Okay. My sophomore year. Okay. And that's the conference I played it, it, against, uh, you know, Steven Jackson, Lee Nail, Butler County. Yeah. All them, all them rough schools. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people – really don't realize, I think, what the talent's like at the junior college level. I mean, I played junior college myself. Um, I'm curious. I know that was really your first intro to, like, intro to organized basketball, but did you find that a lot of guys were maybe in it for themselves to get to the next level, or did you guys have more of a team-oriented atmosphere? 
Um, I think I think everybody came in with their own situation, right? Like everybody had, or they they got in trouble. They caught a dope case. This happened, that happened. So you know, junior college, the grades. You know, some guys are ineligible, or just didn't have the grades, or just just didn't have the recruitment, right? Right. So it was. So you go junior college. I mean, you you got you got to make best of what your situation gives you, right? Yeah. Yeah. You want to go to Duke, or you want to go to Michigan State. You want to go to Michigan, but it don't matter. Uh-huh. And I and I always say like. Man, if you if you just go kill and do your thing, stay clean, keep your nose clean, do what you're supposed to do, stay out of trouble. Cause that's I'm, I'm from Flint, so I I stayed in the house when I was in school. Like I never went. Like when school was out, I didn't go back home. I ain't see Flint for four years when I left for school. <laughs> yeah. Next time people saw me, I was in the league. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's, you know, because you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you were really under the radar, I mean, all throughout your college career because you end up going to Central Oklahoma University after two years of junior college. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have other Division One offers coming out of junior college? Because, I mean, you said you got the letters from the big schools out of high school through AAU. Did you see that same love after junior college, or what was it about Central Oklahoma that made you want to go there? So, so yes, yeah, to answer your question, yes, I did have that same love. But here's what happened. And night after my first year, after my first year, no, after my sophomore year in Brown Mackey, like it was, it was pro scouts coming to my games. Yeah. And and the Spurs was very interested in me. Very. They were, they were at a lot of my games. They were at a lot of my games, and and, and coach and coach Flax built a relationship with RC Buford. I think was the general manager at the time, R.C. Buford. And he was telling me, he said, man, R.C. loves you. R.C. loves you. And, and, and me coming from where I come from, look, I'm trying to get in the NBA now. Right. All I need is one team. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't care about the rest of the team. That would be lovely if they would, you know, if they would have it, you know, be interested as well. But in my mind, in my mind, from discussion I was having with Flax and what and what the Spurs was talking about, I was like, I'm putting my name in the draft. Yeah. And they was like, look, we gonna snatch you. They was saying that they was gonna take me second round. I didn't care if I went first or second or third or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All I need is one team. <laughs> All I need is one team. And so what happened with that, I ended up talking to my, I ended up talking to Raymond Jones, my, my basketball mentor. And he was like, man, you ain't ready for no NBA. Just not learning how to play college ball. <laughs> but I was like, man, the Spurs saying this, the Spurs saying that, boom, 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 right? So I was torn. I was torn, right? So what happened was I was taking so long with my with what I really actually wanted to do. Now, I never signed an agent. I never signed an agent, right? But Smart. by the time I ended up making my mind up, you have a certain time limit to where you can withdraw your name from the draft. Right. But that time had expired, which which I had no idea about because I didn't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't know how that process was because I didn't have an agent. So I didn't have no direction in that. Like nobody could educate me on that part. So that time went by. So what happened was I ended up going undrafted. Like yeah. my name, I, like I like my name was in a draft, but I didn't have an agent. So I went undrafted. <laughs> <laughs> right, thinking it, still thinking 
I was wanting to take my name out. I was wanting to send him a letter in to take my name out, but the time had passed, right? So, and I was like, well, the bad, well, the bad thing about that is if the Spurs do what they say they were going to do, it won't be a bad thing, right? It'll be right. a good thing. So they didn't draft me. So I went undrafted. And what happened was since I didn't sign an agent, I was able to go back to school, but I had to go D2. Yeah. Had I had I had the opportunity to go Division One, I, I probably would have went to Cincinnati. So, so since he would have been the pick out of all the schools, I think Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah, and I think Cincinnati because I love that program. Yeah, and I I just want to ask really quick about your two years at the Division Two because I, I'm a sport, I'm a basketball geek and I looked up your stats. Right. That's just who I am. And uh, you have right. points a game your first year at D2. You literally doubled that the next year and averaged 28 a game. You had four 40-plus games, 52 in one game. I mean, you were killing dudes. I mean – I was so- mad at <laughs> – hey, I was mad about that 52-point game. He, I had seven minutes left in that game. So you could have gone off for 60. Coach days. told me Coach told me that was enough. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a bummer. I but, was- I mean – so oh, I was so mad. Like, I probably could have scored a hundred, man. Everything <laughs> was going in. Everything I shot was going in. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean that night. That night was crazy. I I gotta ask. Something clearly clicked for you that second year. What was it? And I mean, you must have had. You must have been pretty confident with going into the draft process after that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I had a chip on my shoulder from the Spurs not picking me. Yeah. You know, because I'm running around, because I'm running around saying this is where I'm going. <laughs> I'm telling everybody, it ain't a secret with me. Like, I, like, look, this is where I'm going. This is what they said. Everybody knew that. It didn't. It didn't happen. And I was, I was salt. I was salty. Like, I was, I was like, I was like, that pissed me off. Yeah, that pissed me off. And then, like, my my fresh my junior year, we had we had a player by the name of Joe Newton. Did you hear Joe Newton? Didn't hear Joe Newton, no. Yeah, so he 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 from Philadelphia, so he pretty much was the, the like the guy on that team I, when I was coming in. So he pretty much like, and then our style of offense, like I had to stop. I was taking the ball out a lot of my first my, my junior year. I had to stop taking the ball out because I wasn't getting no shots. Because <laughs> the way we were playing, pass, pass, shot. They're like this coach, this coach wanted pass, 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 shot, pass, pass, shot. Like like. What? Like, no, I can't take the ball out no more. Because by the time I get across half court, somebody done shot it already. Right. <laughs> so I told another guy, hey, hey, you, you take the ball out. I'm not taking the ball out <laughs> no more. I got to get shots. So then coming into my second year with, with, you know, just, just, just knowing the college game even more better now going into my fourth year, right? Like, I knew the game. Like, I knew the game. Like, I knew the college game. I had it down to a T. Yeah. So I and, and then and then with the, with the chip on my shoulder already coming from where I come from and then plus the Spurs doing that I was like man I was I was just mad all season. And then yeah. coach it did that fifty two point game coach was like man what what's going on I said man why you take me out <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> I, I, I got do. seven minutes and fifty five seconds left. <laughs> oh you you I you. Yeah, you you remember the exact time you dropped the seven minutes and fifty five seconds. That's how I know you're mad about that one. Yeah, seven minutes and fifty five seconds. Yeah, I had fifty two. 
<laughs> I, I got to ask, after that season, I mean, what was the draft process like for you? Were you hearing from scouts? I mean, what kind of feedback were you getting, and did you expect to be drafted? Okay, so here comes the second crazy part, right? Now, remember I told you I was, I was a free agent, right? So now, after my season is over with, after my season is over with, which is in May, right? The NBA playoffs start in June, right? Uh-huh. Soon as my soon as my college career was over with, I'm an immediate free agent. <laughs> I went to, I went from I went from my la I went from playing my last basketball college game. Probably a couple weeks later, my first NBA workout with the Knicks. Wow. And they wanted to sign me. So just think of the history that I was supposed to make again. Right. Yeah. I, but, I, can't, I can't even, I don't, I don't even remember that happening with anybody else coming, coming no, out. That's never, that's never happened because nobody has ever been in the situation that I've ever been in. Right. Everybody right. would want to do it the way that I did it. I, and you want to know why? Because you don't have that first, that first year structured deal. Uh -huh. You're you're coming in as a free agent, so you can sign for whatever and how much for whatever, because yeah. you're a free agent. Yeah. And so the Knicks was that the only workouts that you, that you did, or did you have like multiple workouts going through? I, I worked out with. I think I worked out for half the NBA. That's crazy. Right after right after that, like I could have. I was supposed, and this is what's crazy. I was supposed to sign with the Knicks, but they didn't want to cut David Wingate. Oof. Oh man, I, I would. And, and as I got, and, and and as I, and as I got a couple years in the NBA, I kind of understood the veteran, that veteran bond, that veteran. Oh, that's that young fella, man. Look, he he gonna get a job somewhere else, man. Yeah, he, but he that, gonna get a job. Like so, that veteran, you know, brotherhood. Like, yeah. I got hit with that. <laughs> I, I gotta say though, that just sounds like a typical Knicks decision where you have a chance to get a young, high flying Eddie Robinson. Yeah, I thought that. I it, and, that's, later on, yeah. <laughs> and that's no disrespect to David Wingate, uh, but I mean, shoot, you got somebody like you coming up, you know, with all that potential, I would have for sure taken you. Um, I would have, I want to ask though, your rookie year, um, mm -hmm. I, I got to know what your welcome to the league moment was. Like, who was the first guy to really burn you to where you're thinking like, holy shit, I'm in the NBA. I probably, probably had to be off. Probably when training camp started, training camp, Anthony Mason, beast. That's who. That's who I'm. That's who I'm checking every day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm dealing with a gorilla every day. Only weight was fifty. Hey, I I saw Anthony Mason live a couple times, and his arms. Holy shit! I mean, that guy was gorilla. Ripped. He was. He was. He was huge. Yeah. Hey. That's, yeah, that's not a fun assignment, especially in the training camp. Uh, uh, Bobby Fields. Yeah, Fields is nice. And Eddie Jones, David Wesley was strong. Like everybody, everybody was. It was. It was. I wasn't as shocked because shit. I, I was. I was. I was killing. Right. That's how I end up. That's how I end up playing. That's how I end up playing so many minutes in Charlotte because I came in the camp like man. I don't give. A, I don't care who who you are. Like, yeah. I wasn't starstruck. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never got starstruck by 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 anybody I came across except Jordan. He the only one. Right. 
And I mean, you, I mean, you did produce right away. You played good minutes. You were putting up good numbers. Uh, but that first year at the Hornets, I love asking this question because we always get some interesting stories out of this. Mm-hmm. But are the rookie stories true? I mean, did you have to like carry Dale Ellis's luggage or like get Anthony Mason's donuts? That is very true. <laughs> that's just, but that, but that, but that's that's just a part of it. It's that's rookie tradition, right? Like every 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 is the. Every rookie has to do that. That's just a part of it. So I was in charge of <clears throat> because we had we had I think we had three we had several rookies on my team. So each each player had different rookies. Each rookie had different veterans that they had to take care of. So I had Derek Coleman, I had Eddie Jones, I had Eldon Campbell, Anthony Mason. So I had to get the donuts. So <laughs> first day of training camp, the day before. I'm at the grocery store, so I'm thinking, well, hey, shit, I, I got donuts in the morning, so I might as well get the donuts, right? <laughs> so I get all these donuts from the grocery store, right? I come to the arena, right? <laughs> I come in there with my grocery store donuts, right? They looking at me like, right, what? No, nah, we, we only eat Krispy Kreme around here, man. Yeah, you, you didn't get the good ones. <laughs> oh, y'all eat Krispy Kreme. Where, where that's at? Like, I ain't never heard of these Krispy Kreme donuts, but they love these <laughs> Donuts, right? <laughs> Got to be Krispy Kreme. So, I think it was somebody. I think Bobby Fields may have been the only one who was like, "Shit, I thought I, I, these cool right here. These cool." Like, but don't nobody else want the donuts. So I, I learned there. Look, I, now I got to go to Krispy Kreme and get Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> but what they don't tell you is, you do all that rookie stuff. You get the bags. You yeah, when we travel, you got to get the luggage, take it to their room, and do all that. But it all pays off at nighttime. <laughs> yeah, it's like having a second job, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, so when you go out, so when it's time to go out, strip club, wherever we going, you ain't paying for nothing. Right. All that pay off. They Here, here you go, boom, here you go, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Bread coming from everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do your work in the morning so you can take care of it at night. Nice. <laughs> exactly. Go to pop uh, some bottles. You, look, I got you. How many bottles you want? <laughs> So I, there's got to be a huge transition between uh, not just you know high school and AAU and college, but then getting to that professional level. And it sounds like you've had a lot of really good mentors as you were as you were kind of going through your career that that just helped you manage the day to day. So who are some of those people that really helped you um, learn how to be a professional and, and taught you kind of how the business works and just all of those aspects that it seems like are super important for being in the NBA. I mean, yeah, I mean, my first year, I think a lot of those guys, Derek Coleman helped me a lot. You know, him being from Michigan, being from being, being from Detroit, Eddie Jones. I just, you know, Eddie Jones. And then I think one of the, I think for me, one of the greatest things that could have happened was I had a player coach. I had a coach. That is so, like, I think that is one of the biggest things that's missing in the NBA, player coaches. Yeah. <laughs> who, who is that player coach? Paul Silas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Paul Silas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he – so he he kind of – and then it's going to be – it's gonna. what's great about that is that he, he understands how your body's going to feel. He's, he understands that, okay, that's enough. You know when's enough is enough. He know that your body's hurt. Right. Okay, you're not feeling – you're not feeling right? That's all right. 7.30, you got to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> 7.30, that's all he cared about. Oh, you ain't feeling good? That's all right. 7.30. <laughs> so, 
so that allows your so i think the, and i think that played a huge part on our success as well on the court because he kept us fresh right he didn't overwork us he didn't work us when he knew we wasn't feeling good he because he'd been there done that he'd been through the same thing we going through so he know we ain't lying <laughs> you know so i think and i think a lot of of coaches be thinking players be lying and shit no they ain't lying they really hurt yeah yeah 82 game season that's no joke yeah. that's a lot of wearing exactly like like i mean that's what that's one thing i hate like when a coach don't believe that you really hurt yeah like no look i'm like i'm really hurt <laughs> <laughs> like i remember my fracture my foot in chicago we playing on ice <laughs> yeah it's freezing in that gym right yeah, I, I got to ask one of our uh, one of our guests that we always have. He's a big Ricky Davis fan. He's probably the biggest Ricky oh, Davis. That's my fan. guy. Ricky, Ricky's my guy. Oh, uh, that that's exactly that that's exactly what I wanted to hear because our buddy here. I mean, you've never met a, a bigger fan of Ricky Davis than this guy. And that's my guy. so I, I got to ask for him. Do you have a funny Ricky Davis story that you can share with us? Ricky Davis. I mean, there there's so many. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure. I'm trying to think of who we were. That's a loaded question, I know. Right? <laughs> I mean, Ricky, Ricky, I think Ricky Davis is one of the guys that I, that was, that I came into camp battling because he was just, like, Ricky Davis was just as athletic as I was. Right. Just, he was, he was a lot stronger than I was. So we, we battled a lot. And, I mean... He was a, he was just a he was just a good dude. I mean, I learned a lot from him. We we hung out a lot. I mean, it, uh, I can't even think of a story though. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. There's probably so many to choose from, but you're right. He was skilled and he was athletic. And I mean, that whole Hornets team, man. I mean, you guys had a nice mix of athleticism and strength. I mean, you guys yeah, had a little bit of everything. You guys gave people the business. You guys gave people some problems. Um, but you know, something also happened that year and I wanted to ask, and I'm sorry if it hits a, a soft spot, but the Bobby Phil's accident, you know, yeah. I know that that was really hard on that organization. Um, how do you think that affected you and as a team after that? And I can't imagine how hard that was to try to play basketball after that. Yeah. With me coming, me coming from where I come from, death was a familiar thing to me. Right. Right. So, I mean, even though they all hit hit hard the same and, and they all suck man like that sucked like we had just left we had just left shooting around we playing chicago we was playing the bulls that night and i was at home i was at home sitting on the couch flicking through the channels right just watching tv right about to take a nap about to take a nap and i'm and i'm flicking i'm flicking i'm flicking and i go across the news channel and i see the i see the hornets facility on there uh-huh. And I see our general, I see our equipment manager, like big shot in the street, like crying. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know what was going on. Like, cause nobody had called, nobody had called none of that, like none of that. Right. So I'm watching and, and they show, they show Bobby's portion, the street covered up. Yeah. So when I saw that, I already knew what happened. So I just got in my car and then I went to the facility. Right. I was calling teammates and they were like, yeah, man, Bobby, uh, like he died on, he, like he gone, bro. Like he, like he died instantly. I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. And that's uh, crazy. Yeah. And then 
what I didn't like about the what I didn't like about it was people were saying he was they were drag racing and you could hear tires screeching where you you gonna hear some tires screeching if you're driving a Porsche. Right. I mean, and and they were setting up, and I think it was, <clears throat> I think it was David Wesley's baby shower. I think they were rushing to get back to set that up before the game or whatever. So, but yeah, just the negative energy that came from behind that was crazy. Just dealing with that was crazy, man. Like, yeah, that was that was crazy. Yeah, um, I know it was it was really sad day, not only for basketball, but I mean everybody, anybody, but. Um, do you think going through that as a team made you guys closer or do you think it was kind of something that maybe everybody's just kind of ready for the season to be over after that? I mean, I mean, we were already, we, I mean, we were already pretty close, but yeah, of close that made us closer. I mean, yeah, especially when you're, that's a teammate, a brother, you know, a guy that, that I, he taught me so much on the defensive end. Because coach wasn't gonna play me without playing defense, so I mean, I had to. I had guys like David Wesley to watch Eddie Jones, Bobby Fields. So I pay homage to all those guys because I learned the best best way to play defense for them guys. And Bobby, Bobby was, you know, I knew his kids, his wife, and it was crazy. His son is in the NBA, I think. Oh wow! Or going to the NBA. Yeah, Bobby Fields' son. Yeah, and uh, I was always a big Bobby Phillips fan, so I, I just had to ask about that. Sorry if that strikes a nerve, but, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't not ask you. Um, but, you know, you uh, end up signing at the Bulls uh, after the Hornets. Um, what was the reason for that? Because I felt like you had a really good role on the Hornets. I mean, you're getting minutes, you're producing. Uh, I mean, what was the reason for switching teams? Well, the- <clears throat> They offered me six a six year sixteen million dollar deal. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that's all you have to say right there. <laughs> and you go, and they're going to New Orleans. Like, like I'm not. I would. I would try to like nothing against New Orleans, but like I'm looking around because I'm the type of person where I'm not going to compare myself to no one else's talent. But if I see a guy like. I'm trying to think of who at time at the time. I'm trying to think of who at the time had got some money. I think it was James Posey signed a, a five-year, $42 million deal. It was somebody contract, and I was like, they gave him that? Yeah. Nothing taken away from him, but I'm just saying, like, I'm 10 times more athletic than that dude. Yeah, and you're thinking if he's getting paid, I can get paid. And yeah. then y'all offer me that, right? Yeah, like like that's just what it was. And then the Bulls, it was a it was a no brainer, right? And plus what? And plus the 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 stop. And then I thought about the Chicago Bulls. I, I was closer. I was gonna be closer to home, three hours from Flint. I was gonna be closer to home. Chicago. I mean, come on, Chicago. I love Chicago. Yeah, and that was a no brainer for me. Mike played there too. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a no-brainer for me, and I'm a cra- like I'm a crazy MJ fan. So man, look, I got the opportunity to go play there. I can go. I get the opportunity to look at that statue every time we got a game. Yeah, just hear all the Michael Jordan stories and just uh, that was so. That, yeah, that persuaded that. Yeah, yeah you so that did it for me. 
you can't say no to that. Um, but I guess that kind of leads into another question I just thought of. Um, how difficult was it to play for the Bulls that season? Because it looked like there's kind of a lot of shit going on. You went through three different coaches in a year. Um, it seemed like the team was kind of trying to figure out the post-Michael era. I, you guys were a young team. I mean, what what was it like going from a veteran team like the Hornets that are competitive to play for a team like the Bulls where, you know, they're a young, up-and-coming team? I mean, it was – for me, it was – it wasn't what they told me it was going to be. Like, yeah. I wouldn't have never came there to run the triangle offense with a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 cause we can't re- like, I didn't, I don't get the triangle. You want us to keep a triangle on the floor at all times, no matter where the ball is? We got to, what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've, been, I've been watching basketball my whole life. I still can't figure out the triangle. I like, keep a, tri- keep a triangle on the floor. Like, I, like we, we just, man, look, let, let's just hoop. Like, we got a better chance off just hooping. Especially with the young team you guys had, where you guys could have ran the floor. I feel like your athleticism was really not used in the triangle. I feel like if you guys got out and run, you guys would have been a lot better. Uh, yeah. We, like, and, it, and what's crazy is we were more successful when we played West Coast teams. Yeah. Because they make you do this. Right. But that's what we should have been doing in the first place. Right. We were the youngest right. team in the NBA. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think I was the third veteran on that team at 23. <laughs> so you had people getting you donuts now. You had the right. rookie getting you donuts. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm giving my <laughs> per deal away. Right. Kirk Hyre, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but like, but like, and, and it's crazy because you got the player, not only the players don't want to run it, the coaches don't want to run this shit. <laughs> yeah. through, we we running through coaches like man like don't nobody want to why because it don't suit who we was right yeah we're the youngest team in the NBA we're running a premeditated offense that even we don't know what we're doing yeah yeah we got and- we got Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler just turned seventeen <laughs> yeah yeah Starstruck. you guys are, yeah you guys are young you didn't have a Jordan or a Kobe on the team I mean it, no I I. I couldn't agree no, more. No, we, we don't have nobody who we can throw the ball in the post and say, go get 30. Right. Go get 20. Nobody could do that. Well, I don't know. Maybe you. You had 52 in, you know, like 15 minutes. So I mean, Yeah, but they, they, they totally <laughs> turned – what I got, they totally turned me into a, a, a chaser, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a defender, and I'm doing – I, they turned me into Reggie Miller or Ray Allen, but I don't shoot threes. They got me running down, pin down. I'm not getting no ISOs, no post-ups, no nothing. Right. Because at 6'9", I shouldn't have been checking. I shouldn't be checking Iversons, chasing Reggie Miller. But I had that quickness to where I could chase him up that three. Right. So, so they figure, well, you got quickness to do that. You can, you, you can catch your shoot and shoot right over the top of them coming off pin downs or penetrating and catch your shoot. That's all I did was just catch your shoot. Yeah. So how how frustrating is that to be on a team where you know your athletic gifts and you see all of these really young athletic guys and you're just kind of constrained into this offense that it doesn't seem like anybody wants to run and it doesn't seem like it fits any of your talents like so how frustrating is that to be on a team where you just feel constrained like that Yeah I think that's the I think that's the first time I ever felt like that <laughs> And that's sad to say when you're on the pro level 
<laughs> like this shit, like this shit ain't even like this shit ain't even fun no more. Right. Because we can't have fun. We gotta do like, like, like. Come on, like. And then there, and then, and then John Paxson took over and just power tripped on everybody. Like th- that whole shit was whack. Like John Paxson just had a power trip. John Paxson came, took over the whole fucking organization, power tripping. Right. As soon as he got the job, oh, I got the, I got power now. You gone. You gone. You he traded our whole fucking team away. So me and Kirk Heinrich, we looking around like, man, this nigga, this dude done changed. This dude done traded the whole team away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I want to ask, because you had the opportunity to play with Krause and Paxson. Um, you know, Krause kind of got labeled the villain in the newest documentary, Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. I'm sure you saw it with you being a, a yeah, Jordan of course. fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was your experience like with Krause? And, I mean, did you kind of experience the same kind of thing, or was it just the complete opposite? I was at my, my man Cross man Cross hit it off well. Yeah, I think I think from the past experiences from that, you know. But you got to look at it at you got to look at his position as well. Like you just can't look at it one sided. Like it's a business. Like he he's a general manager. He got to he you got to move pieces. You got to do this. You got to do that. And the, the whole Scotty Pippen thing was, well, if you want some money, you ain't finna take care of what you need to take care of. Why should I give you some money? Right. You got an injury. You talking about you, you're not going to spend your, your, your summer getting healthy to be ready for next year. And you want some money? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you know what I'm saying? But look, but, but, but then the thing, the thing is, he landed the two high school, the top two high school draft picks in the draft in one year. The two top high school draft picks. Yeah. Like so, obviously the man know what he's doing. Obviously, obviously, obviously he's he's frustrated because he's torn because I got to Obviously, he got some worked out with LA to get Phil over there. He getting some for Phil, right? That's why. Look, he got to a point where I'm like, look, I don't care what's going on. Phil is gone next year. Y'all slowing down what I got going on. I'm trying to rebuild. We got to get Phil gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you got to look at it. You got to put your shoes in that next man's shoes from a general manager's perspective, not just from just because you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But I, mean, I had, but like everybody's, everybody's situation is not going to be the same. Everybody's not going to love you. You're going to have some haters. You're going to have some lovers. So, I mean, that's just what it was with Jerry. He's a general manager. People are not going to like what he, what, I mean, he put that fucking team together. What are y'all talking about? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. look, did y'all forget who put this team together? Who just won six? What are y'all talking about? Y'all can't. Y'all can't question me about nothing. Yeah, he did his job. He did his job. Exactly. So, what are what are y'all talking about? At some point, this shit got to start over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no, I mean that, that's cool to hear from a player who actually played, uh, you know, under him. So, I mean, that's really cool to hear yeah. because if you just go based off the documentary, you would never guess that. Ever. No, I mean exactly. You because you 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 don't know Jerry. You got to get to know a person before you can judge a person. That's just like that's just like with the NBA psychological test. You're not gonna know who I am if I got a if if you giving me multiple questions, multiple answers to like A B C D. What like what? Yeah. So now you're so now you're persuading me to portray somebody that I'm not even, that's not even me. None of this, none of this shit on this paper is, is what I am. Right. 
you're giving me situations of Johnny and who? I don't know what, I don't even know Johnny. If Johnny took six, if Johnny had six drinks, should Johnny do this, this, and that? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who, how, how, do I, how am I supposed to know how many drinks Johnny can handle before he can do this, this, and this? I don't know Johnny. I got to hang with Johnny and be like, no, Johnny, you, yeah, Johnny had enough because now I don't hung around him long enough to know that. <laughs> You're right. just going to give me some answers. What? I'm looking at this shit like, what? Right. Like, it's just crazy. Don't, yeah. don't have, you can't have a psychological test with these players. You got to sit down and have a conversation with me. Ask me how my childhood life was growing up. Right. Right? And then it's just, it's just, so, it's just so crazy how they try to change who you are and make you think you got a problem. No, this is how I was raised. This is how I came up. This is what I was doing. You try to make it seem like Michael Jordan had a gambling problem. Y'all had a problem with Michael Jordan gambling. That's his money. He can do what he want to do. Yeah, and I mean, him gambling, you know, $100,000, like me gambling $5 on a parlay ticket. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, he, yeah, he had the money. He was good for it. Exactly. He's a millionaire. So, yeah, he, he, what you think he's going to be gambling, $20? He's a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's be gambling thousands <laughs> because I got millions. Yeah. I'm not going to be betting $10. Like, come on, what, what am I going to do with $20 when I win? <laughs> like, come on. He's going to yeah. be betting money. <laughs> right. Because he got money. Like, what is, like, like, that's just so crazy. Like, they want you to be just, nope, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, and that was my thing in the league. Like, look, the way I was raised, I raised myself. Like, nobody's ever told, told me to do anything. Right. I've always done it my way and my way only. And, and that's just what it was with me. Me and Paxson fell out all the time over basketball-related stuff. I'm like, Paxson, why you got me in the office for? Because of something I said in the paper? I know what I said in the paper. It's basketball-related. When a, when, a, when a person asks me, asks me a question, I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm not yeah. thinking, oh, wait a minute. John Paxson might be reading this, so let me answer it a different way. Fuck no. Should we, <laughs> yeah. be, running a, should we be running this office? Hell no. Nah. This is what the media is asking. They're asking me, my, what are my thoughts? Not, right. the, not to think in another thought process of another person. No, what are my thoughts? My thoughts are, no, we shouldn't be running this shit. Yeah. And, this is and I'm not this the only one saying it. And this is why this is one of my favorite episodes I've ever done, because you're so open and, like, you know, direct with everything. I mean, it's yeah, awesome. That's the only way to be, though. That's the only way I know how to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't, like, beat around the bush ain't going to get you nowhere. Right. Yeah. Um, you got to be honest and direct, just like my coach was with me. Yeah. I mean, right here, I hit five shots in a row. Paul Silas took me out the game. What you doing? <laughs> Guess what? You hit five in a row, but he hit six in a row. Go sit your ass down. <laughs> I was like, well, I can't be mad at that. Yeah. I got to stop that motherfucker from scoring then. <laughs> you know? Play some, but he came down there. I'm going to put you back in. I don't, get, I don't care about you looking at me funny. I'm going to put you back in, but you got to play some motherfucking defense. That's direct <laughs> and honest, brutal truth. Yeah, it, I know that. It, now it, I, can't be, I can't have an attitude about nothing because he told me what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. That's what's wrong with these kids. You can't tell them shit. They put their head down. Oh, believe me. As a high school coach, I know. I know it's, it's very hard to, you know, coach certain kids today. Um, it, it, so I, I definitely feel you on that. Um, I had a quick question going into uh, one last question on your, on your bulls. Um, you seem to be really productive in the NBA. I mean, you're playing 20 minutes a game, your final season. Uh, I mean, did you have any other opportunities to be in the NBA again? Or I mean, what was the next step after that season? Cause I mean, you're, you're 
producer. So this will happen, right? The Bulls, I was the, I was, I'm always making history, right? I was the first player to ever, to ever get an NBA buyout. <laughs> and the only reason I took the buyout from Chicago is was because the New York Knicks and Isaiah Thomas was supposed to max me out. That's the only reason I took the buyout. I wouldn't have never, ever on God green earth got out of the NBA. This is what I do. Yeah. Why would I want to be out of the NBA? For what? Like, come on, that makes no fucking sense. Right. So now I get the buyout from Chicago, right? Yeah. Now I'm working out with Tim Grover, Michael Jordan's agent. Michael Jordan's conditioning dude, Tim Grover, right? I'm working out with him daily. Isaiah's, Isaiah's interested. He's going to come see me work out. So we down in hoops. <clears throat> we down in hoops. Isaiah's supposed to be coming, right? Hour pass, no Isaiah. Two hours pass, no Isaiah. Tim Grover's like, Fuck is Isaiah at? Go outside. Isaiah's in the limo fucking around. So I'm like, he finally comes in. We do the workout. We do the workout. Boom, 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 boom. Now, at the time, Trevor Reza was a free agent. He was looking at Trevor Reza. He was like, man, y'all going to be the future Knicks backcourt. We're going to max both of y'all out. Boom, 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 boom. So after the workout, I'm talking to Rod Strick. And Rod Strick is like, hey, man, you better watch Isaiah, man. So me, me and my young mind, I'm, I'm, I'm too excited. Like, man, look, I, I he might have did you that way. <laughs> but Rob, like, but I was just too excited. But he was fucking trying to tell me. He was like, hey, you better watch Isaiah, man. And guess what? He was fucking right. Yeah. I go to New York. We fly to New York. Don't see Isaiah for two fucking days. <laughs> just go. Took my physical, right? Yeah. Don't see Isaiah. Now, mind you, I didn't pee in the cup on this physical. I didn't pee in the cup. We can't find Isaiah. So I'm like, fuck, I'm flying. I'm finna fly back to Chicago and keep working out somebody to somebody else. So boom, 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 boom. Right. So and then my agent was like, I'm gonna go to the game. I'm, he was like, You wanna go to the game? I said, I ain't going to no fucking game. I'm gonna go to no Knicks game and sit in this. No, I ain't doing that. You go to the game and you go talk to him and you go find him. <laughs> yeah. I ain't going to look for Isaiah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I, I shouldn't have to. He told me to come here. Take a physical, we go talk, boom, boom, boom. That's and then they and then we I didn't hear from him. I flew back. My agent stayed. Right. Never his heard job, from my his job uh, is to find you. His job is to find you. Right. I never, I never, we never see Isaiah. I never see Isaiah. And they flunked my physical and never said why. Wow. So that wow. just leaves all the assumption in the fucking world, right? Yeah. That, that's mind blowing to me that that yeah, happened. So that so that's pretty much how I got out the NBA. That's crazy. So, I mean, what was the next step after that? Because I know that you played in the D League a little bit and in the NBL of Canada. So yeah, I mean, at that point, at that point, it was like you're. At that point, the ball had turned from orange to black. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that was a lot of John. And and, and I and, and John Paxson told me you you were never playing this fucking league again. He used to tell me that in his office all the time. Wow. He fucking hated me, and I fucking hated him because they tried to change me. He used to find me for 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 um, travel wear. Look, bro, I'm wearing what I want to wear. I'm grown. You can't tell me what to wear. Now right. you sound like you, now you sound like now it sounds like the NBA is on some slave shit with all this dress code and you can't do this, you can't do that, right. and you you you. So you the organ just think about this. The organization you work for will take money from you. And you don't have no say so. You don't have no say so about it. You can't appeal it. You can't do nothing because you know why? 
it's coming out your check before you even fucking get it. You ain't right. paying off no fines. They it come right out your money. Yeah. Minus fifteen thousand fines. Yeah. The organization that I'm 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 busting my ass for is taking my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I'm not because I don't want to dress the way you want me to dress. Yeah. And that's know, crazy. You In know, Charlotte, you, we didn't have a dress code. Coach didn't care what we dress. Just don't come on the just don't come on the plane looking like a bum, which yeah. we're not. <laughs> right. What do you think we're gonna be wearing to where you gotta establish a dress code? Exactly. And you know, you make a really good point about that. And like the way I see it, basketball is an art. Like basketball is a sport where you gotta express yourself. And for me, that's even off the court. Like you guys are also entertainers. And so like you guys should be able to wear what you want and show the fans who they are because that's what the fans really want to see. They want to see who you guys are. Like they don't want to see I Allen Iverson wearing a tuxedo. They want to see Allen Iverson wearing his throwback jerseys or you know, so whatever. The, it is. But they but see, but that that's what I'm saying. Instead of having a psychological test, sit down with these young black dudes and see what they're about. You you understand the culture and where they come from and why and why we do what we do. It's just a normal lifestyle. It's just something that you're not used to seeing and you're not used to. So the first thing you're gonna the first thing you're gonna do is knock it. Right. Just like with marijuana. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> dudes, you dudes can. You're not gonna be stoned while you're playing basketball games. Yeah. Because the mind works too much. I, I, I can smoke all day, and by the time I get to the game, I do, I do the normal treatment. We got to be there two hours before the game. You're doing autographs. You're interacting. You're doing interviews. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're warming up. You, the mind is bringing all that shit down. You ain't high no more. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, if you're in the locker room, now, if you're in the locker room eating edibles, <laughs> now, you got a problem. Dion waiters, not to throw any names out there. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like that's crazy. Like you're like, like, bro, you, you, that's like, that's just crazy. I, I totally hear you with your knock on the NBA psych tests, and just it, it seems like it has all of these assumptions that like you have a good childhood, and then you, you play high school ball, and then you play D one, and you just go through this like traditional path. And then you have this test that's supposed to be like, here's how people are supposed to answer that. Yeah. Did anybody sit down and actually like talk with you and kind of understand like your story and your history and how that like has shaped how you see the world? Um, or was there just a lot of assumptions about like your personality? Oh yeah, David Stern do that. And it's called an FBI background check. <laughs> that's the only interest he has in you. Yeah. Your criminal activity. Right. <laughs> your past criminology record what, what have you been doing back in the day yeah that's what he want to check it to but that's it yeah. what kind of criminal were you because that, that's the stigma that but that's what but but guess what that's just where we come from right. <laughs> yeah. we can't change we can't change that and you think if you think millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars is going to erase all of that it's not yeah you know, and it's really interesting that you bring all that up. I mean, the NBA is really about situations. I mean, I don't think people realize how things really need to fall into place perfectly for you to have a successful NBA career. And you made it. Like, things fell – I mean, you worked your ass off. Things fell in, you know, perfectly for you for four or five years, and it worked out. But, I mean, like you said, one one slip-up, one GM that doesn't like you, or, you know, one yeah. negative test, and it, 
just like that, it could be over. And I never, and 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 and, and, and let's be clear on this: I've never failed an NBA drug test. Right, and that's what's <laughs> even more mind blowing. That's what's even more mind blowing. Um, I've never, I've never failed. You never saw me suspended for marijuana ever. Right, college right. nothing. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm gonna get off the NBA topic here uh, before uh, we let you go. But you know, I know Chad's a big three fan, so I know Chad's gonna want to ask you a little something about. Oh yeah, three. oh shit. Big three. <laughs> I can you just walk us through what the big three experience is like? I mean, our just watching it, it, it did seem like it was a lot of fun. It seemed like a lot of people getting together, and it seemed like it was really competitive and just like a, it was awesome. So, can you just walk us through it? It's rigged. It's rigged, though. Ah, you can go. You can go there. You can go to that. You can go. To, and I'm just gonna keep it 100. I don't give a fuck who say something. If you walk, if you go in there, you can go in there and, and kill, kill the whole combine, uh-huh. and still not get drafted because you ain't friends with somebody who was a captain. So right. friendship. That shit is friendship. Yeah. So it's like it picking it your ain't team. based on. It ain't based on who looking good. Yeah. So it's <laughs> you like, know what I'm saying? That's so like it's picking not. your teams at recess. It's like picking your teams at recess. Like, I want my best friend over here. Yeah, look at look at the um, who won the shit the first year when didn't lose a game trilogy, right. all Cincinnati boys. Yeah, <laughs> which I ain't knocking. You know, you I mean that's just what it is. But I'm just saying like that it, it, it's it's not fair because the motherfuckers who come in there and put the work in who who who've been training the whole time for that. <laughs> it's bullshit to them, like you know what I mean, right? But uh, you but, don't have a chance. <laughs> but, but overall, it does look like you guys are having fun, and it looks like um, I mean, for a fan, I love it. I love seeing some of my old favorite NBA players, like you. I used to love watching you play when you're on the Hornets. So now it's like we get to see guys that we haven't seen in five, six, seven years all of a sudden playing. So I mean, it, it looks like you guys are having fun. So it is a fun experience overall. Right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that part. Yeah, yeah. The, oh the big three, the big three overall part. Oh, that, it's a beautiful thing, and yeah. I love it because the interact it's the interaction with the kids. Yeah, like the inner, like man, they, they say Allen Iverson name, they go go, they go crazy <laughs> still. Yeah. The big three. Hey, I went out one game with AI. He like, hey, Rock, come out here with me, man. Shit, I gotta go out here real quick. I go out there with them, man, they went crazy for AI, right? Because, you know, a lot of those kids didn't get to see him play, but they heard about him, and they get to see him. And, they, and it's just the best part is the fan the fan friendliness. Like, as soon as the game's over, all it's just like you win a championship game in the, in the college. All the kids storm the crowd, storm the floor. That's what they do. They get pictures. They get autographs. Oh, that shit was beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. And um... – yeah, that, that's a, that was, that's a great thing Cube came up with. Yeah, I mean, how much was Cube involved? I mean, how much have you talked to Ice Cube? And oh, I mean, Cube, Cube, Cube was involved with the whole thing. Yeah, he he, he he's hands on with the whole thing. Courtside all the games. He's active. He's active with the whole thing. He's there, like you see him. Yeah, he's at all the combine practices. He's at the dinners. He's at he's at the parties. <laughs> Does he have a jump shot or no? Cube, Cube can shoot. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he played Levar Ball. Uh, pop, uh, he played Levar Ball, Daddy, right? Yeah, I think so. Had yeah. a little quick shootout, real quick for a minute. I think he <laughs> won. Yeah, um, I just want to know. Uh, final question for you uh, before I we do a quick lightning round. What's the next step for you? I mean, what's life after basketball? Or you mentioned your training in one of our messages. Are you 
are you still playing or I mean what's life after basketball like? I'm trying. I'm in Canada. I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia right now. My wife out here. My my new son out here. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to change the culture out here, man, with with the kids because right. they they don't have no guidance, right? Nobody's here to teach them nothing. Their their coaches are like science teachers or like volunteer coaches, so they don't really have nobody to really teach them teach them the game, the footwork, right? Right. So what I'm doing is I'm teaching them the fundamentals, right? Footwork. Why based on your shot? Like, you know, the pro hop. Yeah. Shoot the ball off two, shooting the balls off, off balance, off the bounce, pop, that pop, pop, catch your shoe, hold your follow through. Like, they they teach them out here, shoot the ball, run and go chase the rebound. Right. Well, you can't do two things at once. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, so just just working, just working with them, man, and it's crazy because I'm training, I'm training an eight year old, right? Yeah. He's like in the third grade, right? So he was averaging like two points a game. So I worked with him with a couple months. Shit, he's he averaging like twenty one points a game. Oof, he's jab nice. stepping eight. He's jab stepping third grade of pump fake. Put the ball on pop shot. Like it's it's so funny to watch. I'm like, you doing pro shit right now? You know that, right? Yeah, because that, that's all. That's all I know that I can teach you. Yeah, and if I mean, you get if you get your fundamentals down and 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 you just got to you got to and you got to figure the rest out. I can only help you with so much. Yeah, that's that's got to be rewarding. And as a coach, I love that too. When you start seeing kids like start to really take in what you're saying, and that that's gonna be super rewarding for you. That's awesome. Um, hey, uh, we're gonna do a quick lightning round. Uh, Chad, do you want to take over the lightning round before we send off Mr. Robinson here? Yeah, absolutely. Name the most influential person for you in your basketball career. Uh, my AAU coach, Raymond Jones. What's the biggest thing that you feel like you learned from him? Uh, work ethic. Uh, who's the best teammate you ever had? Mm. That's crazy. <laughs> Damn. Loaded question, I know. I had a lot of teammates. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say I would say I would say uh shit who I could think who I hung out with the most. I'm say J.R. Smith. No, he wasn't my teammate though. He wasn't my teammate. That's my dude though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who? I'm gonna say Derek Coleman. I say D Coleman. There you go. We're gonna streets. Yeah. Toughest player to guard. Kobe. Nastier crossover, Jamal Crawford or Baron Davis? <laughs> I love it when he smiles and starts scratching his head. He's like, damn, I got to think about that. <laughs> Man, they got two different type of crossovers, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hmm. I'm going to have to go. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> I know none of our questions are easy, so we appreciate you sticking around. I'm a, you know, I would, I would, I would say, I would say JC, man. I would say JC because he hit 50 in the game. Okay. I see that boy hit 50 in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Uh, favorite basketball memory? Favorite basketball memory. I ain't never won no championship, so I can't go there. Man, just, man, just making it, just making it to the NBA without even knowing that, you know, without even – Man, like that wasn't even on my radar like that. 
Yeah, I mean that's got to be a surreal, a surreal feeling when you finally make it. So yeah, I mean, that's crazy because everybody in Flint knew I was a dog, but they was like, "Shit, this boy don't go to school." But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, hey, uh, Eddie, we really appreciate your time today. I mean, we learned so much, and I mean, I love talking to guys like you and learning about their journey to basketball. And I mean, you have a really impressive one. I mean, not everybody goes through the junior college route, the Division two route, and going through everything you did. So. I really appreciate it. Chad, do you have any questions for Mr. Robinson before we let him go? Uh, just what words of wisdom do you have for people that might be pursuing their dreams or their goals? In basketball? Just basketball, life, whatever. Uh, I mean, I mean, for me, I would say information. <laughs> like, <laughs> like information because, like, I missed out on four years of high school and – I lost on I lost out on like four years of information that you know I had to learn like on the fly. So I think if I could have started my 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 four my four college career my four college career years over and and, and went to high school, shit, ain't no telling what I like. I could have I could have probably been a first round pick, right. So I was like, so I would just say like information and just knowing what you're getting into and, and just being educated about what you're getting into. Right. And I've been educated and done it the right way, man. There's no tell. I could have probably made more money too. <laughs> well, well, hey, as far as being a bigger draft pick, right? Well, hey, I mean, your story's inspiring. You did make it. And I mean, it might not have been the popular route, but I mean, it's an incredible. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't change it. I yeah. wouldn't change it. No, I mean, what, what you've done is really impressive, and we really appreciate your time today. Um, is there anything you want to plug or promote before we uh, sign you off? Uh, man, just uh, – no, nah, not really. All right. I mean, I'm just, I'm just out here training. <laughs> People already know about it. <laughs> so, I, you know, so it's just – you know, I'm just – man, I'm just, I'm just hopefully just, just trying to get into coaching one day. Yeah. I had a prep school out here that was, that was very interesting, but – Certain things happened with the school that at Newbridge Academy that I thought I had. I thought I had a prep school that I was going to be doing, right. working with. But yeah, I'm still just just trying to find a prep school to start coaching out here and get these kids out here some 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 notoriety, right? Because they got some ballers out here. But you know, it's we in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. So the prep school, I was going to get them right. We was gonna hit the states and hit all the showcases and and, and just ball and then tell them, look, it's the stage. Go do what you do. Yeah, and uh, I will say, um, whoever does get you to coach at their program, they're gonna be very lucky because you definitely have it in your blood, and what you went through is gonna help a lot of kids. So yeah, you uh, gotta you gotta be honest and tell them the truth, right? Yeah. It's only <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So coach to coach, I appreciate it. Appreciate right. what you do. And uh, again, thanks for coming on today. Uh, really enjoyed having you. Uh, and, uh, I enjoyed myself. This was fun. I like talking like this. <laughs> Nobody going to tell the real side of that shit, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's why we loved having you on. But uh, hey, uh, best of luck to you moving forward. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks again. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, have a good one. You too. Thank you. All right. Man, how fun was that? He he was he was awesome, wasn't he? Yeah, just him. Um, one of the things that was so interesting about it was how he learned by just going through stuff and experiencing it. Like he didn't really have anyone specifically like 
tell him what to do, but like when you're out there and you're, you're in a game and you're just having to like learn from watching people and just how that skill probably helped him so much as he was growing up, just given the circumstances he was in, like so cool to hear that. Oh yeah. I mean, just, he had to grow up quick. You know what I mean? I mean, growing up in Flint, like you said, it wasn't the easiest upbringing. He didn't really have those parent role models, like you said. And that's, what's even more crazy. Like he built his own path and it wasn't the easiest one, but I mean, he made it, he grinded. And like, those are the stories that are just really interesting to hear about and just hearing about the business side. Like, I don't think people realize what these athletes go through from a business perspective. Like just one test they never took, you know, they just mark as a negative and then boom, that's basically it. It's just kind of crazy how some of these situations pan out. And I mean, that's, something the average fan doesn't think about. So that was really interesting to hear. Yeah. I also think that idea that you need to have everything go absolutely perfectly in your life to make your goals. I think he really challenged that assumption that, you know, so say you want to make the NBA, you have to like play on the perfect AAU team in high school and then go to this D one and then go through the draft combine. And he completely almost changed the uh, assumed rule books on how to do that to kind of get to your place, which is so cool to see. And, it is, it's super sad to hear the end of his NBA career, like what happened and the politics behind that and um, almost this like silencing of who he was. Um, right. That And you can tell the anger that he like had felt towards that, especially kind of getting put into the, the triangle box in a way. And I thought that him talking about that was super, super interesting. Yeah, no, it, it was, it was. And uh, I mean, you hate, I mean, yeah, you, you just hate to see somebody have to go through that because I, I remember him. He could play. He was a high flyer. He was athletic. He was talented. And um, he definitely had a couple more years under his belt for sure. Um, but, again, thank you, Eddie Robinson. That was awesome. Um, but we didn't get a chance to introduce you, really, because you're kind of a last-minute ad for a co-host for today. Eric had to step out of the office. Um, but – can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I mean, because we go way back. I mean, we're, we're good friends. Tell the listeners who you are just so they, they know. Yeah, it's nice to meet you all. My name's Chad. Um, currently living in Lincoln, Nebraska right now, but moving back to Reno. Um, I've known Zach since we were in probably seventh grade. Uh, when Zach was in seventh grade, he was the same height that he is now <laughs> and uh, was basically just a big uh you know, playground bully in terms of just dominating people on the basketball court and talking a lot of crap and, uh, you know, talked a lot of crap to me and somehow we ended up becoming friends. Uh, we have a very, uh, intense 2k rivalry that's been going on for about 16 years at this point. A lot of broken um, controllers, a lot, a lot of broken, broke, a lot of broken controllers. Um, you know, Zach and I have been through it all together and stuff like that. So it's been awesome to see him kind of continue to do this and things like that. And looking forward to living in the same area with you. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. I can't wait till you're back. And, you know, again, thanks for coming on today. Uh, it's really always helpful to have a co-host and, you know, hopefully we'll have, we'll have Eric back soon. But uh, any final thoughts before we sign off and, uh, you know, get on out of here? No, just so awesome to get to hear his story. And you could tell he just, I just, I like it when people are pretty open about what they've been through and, and honest, like he was saying. And I think that's an important value to have. So it's cool to just hear that. Yeah. And, I'm, and I mean it when I say – whatever school signs him on to be a coach over there, they're going to be lucky to have him because that guy is going to do a lot of good for kids. I can already tell, but uh, we're going to get out of here uh, before we go. Uh, please hit the subscribe button really helps us out. Leave us a review. We love reading about those and seeing what we're doing well and what we need to work on. But uh, for Chad and uh, for Eric, I'm Zach. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>